Welcome to episode one in our VBAC podcast series. Today we are chatting all about the top tips to prepare you for a successful VBAC. I know you're gonna love it. Enjoy. Hey mama, I'm sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes. It's time for you to guide you through. Let's take some time for you. It's pregnancy with physio. Hello, mamas, and welcome back to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast. I've taken a short break, but I'm back in your ears with what I think is probably my favorite podcast series ever. I'm so freaking proud of this series because I think because I'm so personally invested in VBACs. For those of you who don't know what a VBAC is, it is vaginal birth after cesarean. I, if you don't already know, you can definitely go back and listen to my birth stories, but I had a vaginal birth after two cesareans and I know what it feels like to be on that journey, that roller coaster, that questioning, the ups, the downs, the, the like indecisiveness, the being not sure or not confident. Um, there's so much baggage around VBAC, right? And I just know from my conversations with women how important this conversation is. And I'm so proud. I'm so freaking proud to be able to bring this to your ears because this is what I wanted when I was going on my VBAC journey. I wanted to hear this sort of information. I wanted this comfort, this warmth, this reassurance for you to be able to pick the right path for you. So, oh, like I could cry. I'm so proud. I'm so excited to get this in your ears. It's actually been a long time coming. I, I recorded these interviews uh, a number of months ago, but um, yeah, I'm excited to finally release it. So I have interviewed uh, a few guest experts for this entire series. There is a five part series. So this is five different episodes coming to your ears. I actually will be releasing a second series later in the year as well because I've got so many things I want to teach you and you know educate you about but this is a five-part series um, and today's episode is with the wonderful midwife Loretta and she's going to talk us through her top tips to prepare yourself for a successful VBAC. Uh, Midwife Loretta is amazing. She is such a beautiful wealth of knowledge. And if you do want to learn more from her, you can find her on Instagram at Midwife Loretta. But also go back and listen to, I interviewed her for our Empowered Birth series on the podcast. And she is episode 90 to 93. So I want you to go back and listen to those. We talk about so many different ways to prepare for birth. And it was really amazing. And we got amazing feedback on that podcast. So if you do like her vibe from this episode, please go back and listen to those episodes. But today she's going to talk us through her top tips to prepare for a successful VBAC. So she's talking us through the importance of choosing your care provider carefully and what you should be looking for in a care provider, the importance of debriefing your previous birth so that you don't get surprised by anything that comes up so that you have worked through all your fears, emotions, you've released everything you need to before your VBAC, Um, the importance of knowing that the success rates are high. And this might surprise you when you listen to this episode, how high the success rates of a VBAC actually are. The importance of planning for all possibilities. So the importance of having birth plans and preferences and the importance of surrounding yourself with positive and empowering stories. So this is a wonderful episode. Midwife Loretta has such a warmth to her and she is just 
so supportive i really really like her vibe now i also want to let you know what's coming up because i want you to make sure that you are subscribed to the pregnancy with physio laura podcast because i do not want you to miss out on any of the episodes coming up because they're they're gold like they're so brilliant i am so excited and i want you to subscribe if you haven't already click the subscribe button now i also want to let you know that all these episodes are pre-uploaded inside my online platform the pregnancy posse so if you want to consume all of this at once rather than waiting for this five-part series to be released over the podcast to the public all of these episodes are live right now inside my online membership, The Pregnancy Posse. You can find out more at thepregnancyposse.com. That is also the space if you want to ask me any questions about my VBAC, if you want to ask me any questions about your personal experience and how to educate yourself more on VBACs, how to prepare for, that is where I answer all questions. So I try and do my best on social media, but I really do live inside the Pregnancy Posse. I first and foremost serve all my Pregnancy Posse members. So if you do want to ask me any of your questions, if you want to prepare yourself for birth physically and mentally, I have an amazing program that you can access. Um, You can ask me your questions and you can access all of these series pre-uploaded straight away. So that is at thepregnancyposse.com. Go and check it out. But I do want to let you know, What we have coming up is this amazing guest interviews where we are going to talk about fact and fiction. So that is a big part of VBACs is like, what are the actual facts? So we're going to be covering the actual facts and statistics and evidence around uterine rupture, having a big baby, inductions, going post-dates or going quote unquote overdue. What are your actual chances of a successful VBAT? What do the statistics say around risk factors and all of that? We're also going to be talking about the importance of finding a supportive care provider and what the evidence says around choosing your care provider and how that influences your success in a VBAC. So, so much gold in there. I Again, I can't tell you how proud I am of this series and I want you listening to this right now to share this with any mamas you know who are interested in a VBAC, who are curious about a VBAC or who are struggling with their VBAC journey, please, please, please share this podcast with them because I know it can be a really lonely road for a lot of women. I've experienced that myself. I know women want this information and it can be hard to find on your own. So I've just collated it all in one epic podcast series and I want this in the ears of any woman going on that VBAC journey. I really am feeling so passionate about this topic as you can tell. So please, please, please do share this to any mama that you know who is on that VBAC pathway in any way, shape or form. So enjoy episode one with the amazing midwife Loretta. I know you're going to love this. Let's chat about VBAC preparation. You put out a post which resonated really deeply with me. It had some amazing tips and advice for women who are wanting to start a VBAC journey. So can you take the mic and share with us your wisdom on how a woman might start to prepare for a VBAC? Yes, I sure can, Laura. So I think a lot of these will be similar to preparing for, you know, every birth really, but with a few more specifics for women women wanting to try for a VBAC. So I think my number one tip would be around choosing your care provider um, and your place of birth. So we know that those two things are going to have a really um, important influence on the type of birth you have. 
Okay, so really do your research around your care provider. It's just so crucial. And we know there's some really strong evidence for like for um, birth outcomes for every woman and, you know, having being more likely to have a vaginal birth when you have continuity of care um, with a midwife. And Hazel Keedle is doing some research around this. She's a midwife and a uh, um, She's done a great, some great research around VBAC, so highly recommend looking her up. Um, so we really want to have the discussions with your care provider, you know, interview them. So if you're choosing a midwife or an obstetrician, if you're um, deciding to go down that path, ask them about their experiences of caring for women with a VBAC. Ask them about their statistics and their success rate because you know, it's all well and good to say that you're supporting that. But often what I hear is, you know, care providers say that at the start. And then as you get close to the birth, they start talking about things like, oh, well, this baby might be a little bit big or those things that aren't helpful for you if you're wanting to have a VBAC. So that's really important. You know, talk to them. How do they make you feel when you're asking them questions? Do you feel like you'll be able to work in partnership with them rather than them being, you know, up here and you down here as the expert that you can have a really collaborative relationship with them. Um, and even little simple things like their language, you know, what are they using in their language? Is it really fear-based? Is it coercive? Picking mm. up on those little cues will be really helpful. Mm. Um, so, yeah, really making sure that they're on board with your plans um, will help you serve you well in having a successful VBAC. And I think and, it's so important that you note to do that early and it's never too late, but I do think if you go in and there's maybe a couple of red flags popping up, i.e. like, oh, they kind of sound on board, but not really, but I'll just go with it. It's so much harder when you hit 37 weeks and you're being faced with, you know what, I actually think it's safer to do another C-section because you've just spent your whole pregnancy developing rapport with someone who at the final hour is not actually as supportive of VBAC as you thought. Mm -hmm. And you're much better off to have those hard conversations early where you go, you know what, it actually sounds to me like you're leaning towards repeat Caesar over VBAC, which is fine, but it's maybe not going to be a right fit for me right now or whatever it is, but have that hard conversation early. Um, and I'm just going to insert a quick personal story. I remember with my third, um, for anyone who's you should probably know my birth story right now, but if you haven't, I've, I've done it on a on the podcast before. But I was adamant I was going to have a maternal-assisted cesarean section. And it was really good. I didn't actually approach this. To, oh, did I? I actually think I did call my obstetrician when I changed my mind. And it was a flat-out no for a VBAC 2 for me. And I was really for private obstetrics but I was really grateful for that because I was so glad that I knew it was a no and I had to go elsewhere to explore that option rather than it being like a yeah sure but it's really a no and then I would have carried out my entire pregnancy just to get to the end and then be told you know what it's actually not a great idea so I was actually really grateful for that um, because some so, so for example, private obstetrics, because I guess they get a bit more choice over who they can and can't take on, it was a flat out no, whereas in the public hospital, it was a yes under a million different <laughs> guidelines yeah. for me, um, you know, which I, I understood. But, you know, like you're going to get yeses and nos from totally different arenas. So it's not just if, if one person says yes, no, maybe so that's the the bible you you need to look around and look at all the other options because it's not so black and white like um like you said some some as well some hospitals will say yes you can attempt 
uh, a VBAC. But under distances, and you have to then go, well, hmm, how does that sit with me? Because it's one thing to attempt a VBAC. It's another thing. I don't know, to be like boxed into this tight little, you have to, you have to have, and I think those sorts of questions as well, like, well, how far over, over, you know, I do that in quotation marks. Can I go if I'm attempting a VBAC and do I, can I be induced? Do I have to be induced? If I were to be induced, what are the different ways to be induced? Like asking all these questions, do I have to be monitored? And what is the risk of all these complications? What is the risk of a cesarean um, like really, I, in a way, like grilling your provider on all of these things early so that you're like totally hunky-dory by the time birth comes around, knowing all the different factors. Um, like if I have gestational diabetes, what does that mean for my birth? If I have whatever the case may be, like really just um, foreseeing all these things that might pop up. Anyway, I interjected there, but I just wanted to oh. add that because I do think it's so important to do it early days rather than, and if you get a hint that like, oh, I don't actually think this person's as supportive as their their language might be saying one thing, but their vibe is telling you something else. I think it's worthwhile just exploring until you find someone. There's so many VBAC supportive practitioners out there um, or people who are at least willing to work in collaboration with you. And it might be tough conversations and it might be a lot of, you know, like give and take, but at least they're working in collaboration with you. So anyway, I'm going to stop talking. You carry on. <laughs> I love That's so important, Laura. I love all of that. And I was just thinking too, with when you're choosing yeah place of birth, like you said, what are the restrictions? It's like thinking long-term, what monitoring is, you know, what's your policy around monitoring for someone having a VBAC? Am I going to have to come in when as soon as labour starts, which is not necessarily in line with, um, you know, the guidelines now, the NICE guidelines don't actually recommend continuous monitoring for women having a VBAC in early, early labour. Yeah. Which is not often the practice that we see in hospitals or from a lot of care providers. So, um, yeah, sussing that out because you know we know you'll probably do better if you you're more likely to for your labour to progress to have less intervention if you're in active labour when you get to the hospital. So, all of those things that you talked about will impact um, the success or not. And I love what you said about yeah, just the vibe of someone. I think we don't trust our guts. We ignore. Mm. We ignore those feelings and think, oh, no, it should be fine. And I know I've just heard so many women talk about this and they know they ignored those signs and they later down the track have gone, I knew I should I should have changed. They weren't the right one for me. And in saying that, for those who need a little bit of Dutch courage, I have interviewed many women who at 39 or 40 weeks have changed care providers. Yes. So like it is also never too late. If, if something really does not feel right, because you should always feel supported in birth, it is never too late to change. So I just want to give that permission for those women who are like, yeah, but you know, I'm about to give birth any day. It's too late now. It's like, no, I've had women at the final hour go, not a good fit I need to go somewhere else and you know that's not easy that's for sure but um, it's worth it for a lot of women just to feel supported regardless again this is where we remove ourselves regardless of whether those women went on to have VBACs or cesarean sections it's that they felt supported they felt confident in themselves and their birth team that's the most important thing and if you're not getting that vibe change it matters it's not just about their you know, their practical skills, like they might be really good at doing that. Um, They might be really skillful, but if they don't make you feel safe, Mm -hmm. respected, supported, then like you said, never too late to change. I think a lot of women feel that it is, and like you said, not easy, 
but it's too important. Like mm-hmm. if it's not feeling right, I agree. change it up. <laughs> Go find the right one for you. Yeah. Uh, so I think the next one I had was debrief your previous birth. So I think that's important for anyone birthing again, because regardless of, you know, how that birth went, we all have these, um, you know, these experiences that may impact us in our next birth experience. So, but especially so for women who have had a cesarean and even from what you were saying, Laura, about your pelvis, um, in, when we spoke in the earlier um podcast just around feeling like your pelvis or your body was broken and a lot of women who have had a cesarean they feel a sense of failure and of course they did not fail in any way um it's having a cesarean is such a huge um it's such a huge experience to go through and to recover from but it can really cut to the core of a woman's confidence in and belief in her body and ability to trust that her body can do what it needs to do to labor and birth her next baby so I think it's so crucial and that might just be with maybe with your care provider um, who you who supported you in your last birth or you know maybe with a psychologist or a midwife or you know someone who can help you work through that maybe talk through anything that you weren't sure about um, maybe getting your birth notes so that you can look at what happened if you're not clear on what led to the cesarean or things like that. And also, you know, you want to know what happened and the specifics of the operation to make sure that, you know, you're suitable to try for um, a VBAC, which the majority of women are. Um, but it's all about, yeah, just getting that information and then, yeah, moving on to this next experience and going, well, I'll take the good bits from my last birth, hopefully there were some, leaving the not so good bits behind and focusing on this as a new experience. This is a different Mm. baby. This is going to be a different birth, labor and birth experience. Mm, I love that. Yeah. So I think that's a really important one. And similar to that, I think that mindset is really important. So doing whatever you need to do, finding some birth education that resonates with you and your partner to help you do that and to start really being conscious of preparing your mindset for that because you know those things might come up during your labor um you know we want to try and work on them beforehand Mm. um, make it a little bit easier would you believe in my first birth so I've been teaching active birth well and truly before I fell pregnant my husband and I did no birth classes together because I think I had that confidence, uh, cockiness really, that like, oh, no, I know what I'm doing, you know, like, and I didn't really teach him a lot. I just kind of thought that I would teach him on the day. And I'm like, whew, did I set myself up to fail? <laughs> oh. I mean, yeah, there's so many other reasons, but, you know, like that would have been helpful. And we truly only did a proper birth class for my third pregnancy and birth. And we were like, I cannot believe we have not done this until now. And it was so powerful. Um, And so I do definitely vouch for like doing some birth preparation together and having that epic support team. I just, I I cannot believe I didn't do it, but I think that's the path I had to travel. And I just remember, you know, for someone who quote unquote knows so much about birth, I knew so very little when it came to like connecting with my husband and being on the same page. And it was so powerful. Like I highly recommend doing a class together for any women out there, even if you're a health professional listening to this and you're like, yeah, but I know it. 
even myself, Laura, I knew that I had to do more to work through my own baggage. And that's how I discovered calm birth because my husband and I did calm birth um, with my first pregnancy and I learned so much and it was amazing. It helped my my mindset probably more than anything. Absolutely. Yeah. Same. We don't know what we don't know though, do we? It's that thing. Yeah, we just (laughs) So next up, I think this is a really important one and maybe you could have it as a bit of a mantra too to help with that confidence is know that the success rate is high. So around 70% of women who try for a VBAC will be successful. That's a real, they're really good odds, you know. And I think if you can go into that and be like, yes, there's a really good chance that I'm going to achieve this. That can, again, comes back to that mindset and really focusing on on what you do want and building that confidence in your Mm. body. Um, unfortunately there's not I was looking at the um, last uh, mother and babies report for 2019 and there's not a very high percentage of women who try for a VBAC so I think for women who had a cesarean with their first birth it was in the 80s 86 percent maybe of women who went on to have another cesarean and of course there's no right or wrong for that but I do genuinely think that women aren't it's not presented to women as a viable option. And mm-hmm. even Ranscog, so our, you know, the head of our, um, our peak medical body of obstetrics in Australia and New Zealand, um, you know, they quote that for most women, there's very few reasons why they wouldn't be a good um, candidate to have a VBAC after a mm-hmm. cesarean. So I think that, you know, is really positive to know about. Um, I'd be very interested to know what the reasons were for that 80% of women to go on to have cesareans, like if that was studied at all to just know, like, yeah, whether it was maternally driven or whether it was more obstetric driven and like, yeah, so fascinating. I didn't realise it was so high. Um, And I agree in that I think when you're falling pregnant for the second time and thinking about birth options, I think VBAC feels like a harder path to walk. Like it's not this natural, oh, you either have a VBAC or you have a C-section. I feel, I think it feels like the default in so many ways is a subsequent C-section and that VBAC's very much available, but like harder, you know, like you have to really kind of push yourself onto that path as opposed to like the default being c-section that could also just be my personal experience in the systems that I went through but that's Mm -hmm. how it felt to me that it was just a harder path to walk yeah and I I definitely think that's true from you know looking after women who are coming in for a VBAC and talking to you know family and friends who you know objectively they might have had a cesarean and then they think oh I want to try they have their appointment and then they're told oh no we'll just book you in because in some ways, maybe it's easier for care providers to just book that cesarean. So it's, it's not presented as a, as a good option and we need to change that. So hopefully your work on doing the podcast on a VBAC and creating that awareness will help as well. Mm, it's just yeah. knowing that, that you have an option and that for most it's a good option mm. um, if, if that's what women want. So next up, I have um, planning for all possibilities. So as, you know, we've talked about birth plans, still planning for, you know, what you would like to happen if you were to have a cesarean, even if you're trying for a VBAC. You know, thinking about, like we talked about earlier, you know, monitoring, movement, all of those things, working with pain, understanding, you know, if you were to have 
an epidural, for example, how that would impact potentially your labour and your chance of having a successful feedback, understanding all of that. Um, yeah, and just putting those plans on, in place, maybe doing your preferences for a cesarean and going through that so that then you've done that and then you can kind of let it go. Yeah. So you're like, okay, I've prepared for that scenario. I know what I want. And now I'm going to get back to focusing on this scenario, this, this one that I want on having a successful VBAC. Mm, I think that's so important because I think that almost gives you permission to surrender and like really then just relax into VBAC preparation when you've, you've made that preference list for a cesarean. And like you said, you can let it go then. Um, it's like, that's prepped, that's done. Let's get back on this sort of VBAC pathway. And I know for so many women who have maybe had a traumatic cesarean and they think, well, if this VBAC attempt ends up in a cesarean, I want it to be better. So I want immediate skin to skin, um, you know, assuming everyone is healthy and well. I, you know, I want music or dim lights or my obstetricians to not talk about their morning coffee or, you know, like whatever it is, but I want a better experience for me, which is 110% valid. And I think it's really worthwhile. I think it's a great point that women should put in a preference list for both 100%. And I guess, like you were saying earlier, you, you plan for it like you would for any birth. So I guess maybe that's what some women would do anyway, regardless of whether they've had a birth in the past or not. But um, particularly if you've had a negative cesarean experience, like thinking about what would make a positive cesarean experience, let's write that all down. Uh, I know for me, I was separated from my first baby for like half an hour, which was wow. ludicrous because I was yeah. healthy. My baby was healthy. It was just a hospital procedure. And I, I pretty much went in there like guns blazing second time and was like, I am not being separated. <laughs> and they tried to tell me, you know, hospital guidelines, staff shortages, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. That Gosh. is... For me, like the most important thing is my right. baby. And they did because I told them that that was a non-negotiable, you know, mum's healthy, bubs is healthy. So, you know, I walked in there with a VBAC attempt, but I also had a very strong preference for some things if I were to have a Caesar and it, it worked out well for me because I had a Caesar. So I, I think that's a, such a great point that you make. And it's almost like it could be helpful working through that as part of the debrief, you know, mm. that was traumatic. Okay, well, if that was to happen, what can I do next time? Um, because yeah, I didn't have that good experience last time, especially if it's an emergency. Yes, exactly. Because you don't have the time to, no. to be able to, yeah, those uh, write that all down or communicate yeah. that. So doing it in advance for sure. Yeah. Okay. And my lucky last is uh, surround yourself with the positive. So, you know, other women's stories and just be mindful of what you're consuming. So, you know, if, trying not to let people download on you their traumatic birth experience. This is this goes for any birth really, but specifically for VBACs, there's, there's some great podcasts that just um, are purely about VBACs. So there's an Aussie one called VBAC Birth Stories. I don't know if you know about that one, Laura. I'm on all of them. You're on all of them. I'm like, yeah, you're totally all over that. I know you are. <laughs> That's a really great one. And especially, so Hazel Keedle, the researcher I mentioned earlier, she's got an app on there, which is really great um, and might be really helpful. Uh, there's like a VBAC Australia support group. 
There's, uh, you could look up evidence-based birth. There's some great, um, that sort of brings together, it's an American website, but it brings together a lot of the um, latest research around different things around labour and birth, but specifically VBAC. I love the Childbirth Connection website too. That's got some really great information about VBACs. Um, statistics and that sort of thing um, and you can always look up the RANSCOG one as well and as um, I mentioned they have you know their statement on it that it can be really for most women it's a really good option uh, so yeah just be mindful listen to VBAC birth stories from other women in all settings and yeah just be mindful try not to focus on maybe the negative ones you know still being realistic but yeah because what we absorb is really important to our mindset and how we feel going into it so yeah I think that's great advice yeah thank you so much I think I listening to that I'm like feeling comfortable and safe and supported and I can imagine that so many women who I know walk into the VBAC world and for me it was such a roller coaster the first time I entered it uh, that was the hardest bit is the emotional roller coaster of a VBAC for me it was hectic um, and I just think having someone like yourself just like lay it out, you know, like work through steps one to five, create this beautiful supportive environment. It seems so much less daunting for women to swallow that rather than, you know, like I, I think sometimes you can, I, I believe you can create those bubbles around you, you know, like only hearing, you know, the things you want to hear. But if you don't intentionally curate that, you can just be thrown with risks, you know, death bleeding like all these scary things get thrown at you and shame and you know like what are you doing and are you crazy and all sorts of projections Mm. and it can be really really hard to navigate that um if you don't have the information on the other side of it so I just think all those resources you mentioned are a really great starting base as well for women not knowing where to go because I don't think they're necessarily widely available as well um and just curating the content and information that you want I don't think there's anything wrong with that because I know with my second VBAC sorry with my second birth my first VBAC attempt I joined all the Facebook groups I listened to all the podcasts and weirdly they didn't vibe with me at all I actually found myself feeling really icky about them like I wasn't getting a good sense and so I kind of exited out of all of that I don't know what that was about to be honest but I just knew that this wasn't actually making me feel better Mm -hmm. but then with my third I joined them all again and I don't know, something just clicked, something was different and I got so much out of it. I felt really empowered, really confident. So I guess what I'm saying there is just take what feels good for you. You know, like you'll know when someone says something where you go, oh yeah, that's really, that's feeling really sensible, good, confidence, empowering versus, oh, that's made me feel really funny or I don't actually like reading this, going down this rabbit hole, whatever it is. So just really like be discerning with the information that you're gathering and make sure that it's making you feel really good within yourself so that's just my advice there thank you so much that was wonderful I know so many women are going to get a lot out of it and I think the statistics you showed because I know a lot of women want to know that is so powerful like to know that the success is so high that is so important it It really is and even for me I like even looking at it I was like that's yeah is that right yeah yeah. I'll double check amazing yeah it is it's yeah I think we need to share that I need to yeah we need Mm. to share that more widely I think it's that 
just movement with the times and the evidence coming through like you you had mentioned previously that it takes 15 years for policies and things to change as evidence comes through and I think of my mum's generation she wasn't even offered a VBAC because back then once a Caesar always a Caesar was the going quote whereas these days that's not at all like that and I almost wonder if in future generations it will be like doesn't matter how many Caesars you had you know if you're x y and z you know, low risk, then go for it. Like I, I'm just, it's interesting to see how things change and yeah, VBAC is not what it was 50 years ago. That's for sure. So I think I'm just thinking of all those women who are listening to their grandmas, tell them, like, I remember, um, I won't say who, but, uh, an older generation, um, being really terrified about a VBAC because that just equals baby dying. You know, it's just a really scary thing for that generation. And I totally got that. And I was able to be in a position where I could say, I, I totally get that. You see that that's not my belief and um, that's not what the evidence shows, but I'm also just not going to debate you on this. You know, I can appreciate that when you grew up, that was a hundred percent the, the, the mindset around VBACs and that was scary, dangerous, it's not like that anymore. We know more now. We know better now. And I think it's really cool to put this information out there. So maybe send this to your grandma if you are listening to this. And they're like, <laughs> you know what? I, I need to help educate them because they don't know any better right now. Maybe oh. shoot it on through if they know how to use a podcast. I was going to say, I'd love if my name could get, um, work out. I can't even get my mum to work it out. So <laughs> I'd be my, my dad thinks that like a Facebook news feed is people's personal messages to him. <laughs> and I've tried I'm like so he'll comment on everyone's you know Loretta has said what a beautiful sunny day and he'll be like oh thanks for sharing that Loretta it is a beautiful day oh that's uh, so heavenly <laughs> dad stop <laughs> over 60s should not use these technologies <laughs> Oh, I love that. Thank you so much, Loretta. You have been a wealth of knowledge. I know so many women are going to get a lot out of this. So thank you for joining me. Oh, I really hope so, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. Hello, mamas. I really, really, really hope that you loved the first episode in this amazing VBAT podcast series with the wonderful midwife, Loretta. As I mentioned earlier, she has such a beautiful warmth and care and you know that she really really wants the best for you and I just love the way she approaches birth and particularly VBACs I think she's a wealth of knowledge and if you want to connect further with her you can find her over at Midwife Loretta on Instagram and you can also listen to her other podcast episodes that she did with me on the Empowered Birth series which is episode 90 to 93 on the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast so if you like her vibe and you want to hear more from her please go check those out They are amazing episodes as well. And remember to subscribe to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast because we have incredible episodes coming up in this VBAC podcast series. We have four episodes coming up where we talk about the facts, the statistics, the evidence around VBAC. We're not just talking about experiences and personal stories. We're actually talking about what the evidence tells you. And I can tell you right now, it is in your favor. <laughs> VBAC can be this big, scary world, but I'm telling you, the evidence shows us that you're actually more likely to have success. And I don't think a lot of us recognize that. And I really want you to understand that. So please subscribe so that you don't miss any of the upcoming episodes we have. We're going to be covering big babies, inductions, going overdue. We're going to be covering the uterine risks and the like rates of rupture and what the statistics tell us about that. We're going to be talking about 
care providers and what the statistics tell us about care providers. And we're going to be covering all of this in amazing four-part episodes coming up. Remember, these are all pre-uploaded inside my online platform, The Pregnancy Posse. We also have weekly workouts in there. We have a whole resources library on preparing you for labor and birth. So if you're feeling a bit lost, if you're on this VBAC journey and you want more support, we have an amazing community of women inside The Pregnancy Posse. That is your best way to access me. Ask me questions. I'm an open book. I'm more than happy to talk about my personal VBAC experience, my professional expertise when it comes to preparing for birth that is the best place to ask me so if you want support if you want to be surrounded by really warm supportive community and information so that you don't feel like you're spiraling out of control googling all of these things i do encourage you to come and join me inside the pregnancy posse you can find out more at thepregnancypossy.com and i always love to hear from you as always on this podcast i want to know you're listening i want to know what you're getting out of it so jump on over to my socials at physio laura and tell me what you loved about this episode tell me if you have any follow-up questions i want to hear from you and you know i'm passionate about this VBAC topic i really want to make sure that you're getting all of your questions answered so please jump on over to at physio laura and let me know if you have questions or feedback or comments on this episode but Please, mamas, look after yourself. Be kind to yourself. Education is so valuable, but at the end of the day, you need to just sit with yourself, make the right decisions for you. That's only you can do that, right? So just trust yourself. You've got this, mama. And I will catch you soon for episode two in this amazing VBAC podcast series where we're going to be breaking down all of the statistics around what it takes to have a successful VBAC. So what are the stats, the evidence, the research? What does it actually tell us around your success rate? So stay tuned for that. And in the meantime, have a wonderful day. I will talk to you soon.